Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Vegas 5. Paul Shaughnessy here in studio with my main man, Cody Saftik, coming off of a pretty good week, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I like those 15 fight slates, man. I mean, awesome. they were just rolling in fight after fight. And again, you got to pick and choose a little bit of what you wanted. You didn't have to force any spots. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was mostly Chalk City, but on the plus side, we were kind of rolling with mostly Chalk City on the show last week. So this card looks a little Chalk City, too. Hopefully we can find a couple underdogs and a couple uh, decent value prop plays. Lots of uh, big winners and stuff, but that's Pat's gimmick, right? Well, not gimmick, but that's Pat's thing. I, I don't even like I'm, that stuff personally. I'm terrible. Winning silence. Yeah, I had I had a couple. Well, I had one person ask for a, a win. I just wanted to give a congratulations to another person. Um, I, but yeah, I don't usually read all this stuff. Oh, I'll stumble cool. on it if I have to read. So we got a uh, big parlay to our boy Tharusha Guntalik. I think that's how you pronounce it. Oh, he's that was a, reg- a tough one. That was a tough name. To he's pronounce. a regular in Pat's uh, Wednesday golf uh, preview show. He kind of gave like a lot of people MMA a chance and gave our show a chance at the beginning of all of this. And he had a parlay. I think it was like your five legger plus Verdum on it. And, Bam. Uh, That's a difference boom. maker. Big difference maker. It already, it already paid like five and a half to one. And so then uh, fan of the show, he watches other stuff. I'm not saying that like we have everything to do with it. There's, you know, Brett and there's uh, Marley and there's Dan Levy and all those guys that uh, have good shows and stuff like that as well. Uh, DFS wins. Knockout King this season. So uh, congratulations to you. Yeah, man. Enjoy absolutely. that like 50K. Plus he he won the uh, the big boy not that long ago as well. DFS wins has been DFS winning. Let's get right into the action, though. We have Edmund Shabazian taking on Derek Brunson. Edmund Shabazian, a minus 310 favorite. Derek Brunson can be had for plus 255. Take it away, Cody Saftik. Yeah, so obviously I like Edmund Shabazian here. And minus 310, he's a a bit of a steep price tag to be paying for a 22-year-old kid who's so green in his UFC career. But watching tape on it just seems super warranted. I mean, he's coming to his own. When you look back at fights like the Darren Stewart fight, for example, and you talk about, oh, man, maybe his cardio looked a little bit off. Maybe he wasn't super confident. He's 20 years old at the time. He's like the second youngest guy on the roster. It's a miracle that he's even fighting in the UFC, let alone taking on a top 25-ish guy like Darren Stewart, who's posed some problems for some decent guys in the past. And that's the biggest takeaway I, I have is that you've got to get those rounds in. You've got to get tested. You don't just become an NFL lineman. You're a great NFL lineman in college. You go to the NFL all of a sudden, and after your first game of the season, you're tired. It's, it's late in the fourth quarter, and you're tired. Well, why is this guy tired? He was such a good college athlete. Oh, he played so tough through college. It's like, oh, man, it's a different pace. 
It's a different game now. And then all of a sudden, game two, game three, game four, this guy's an awesome lineman. Took him a little bit to get adjusted. That's what I look at with Shabazian. Just took him a little bit while to get adjusted. He had never been outside of the first round. Hell, he never gets out of the first minute or two. So for him to at least go 15 minutes, and when he is tired, to, to revert to his grappling, show some decent ring IQ, that's a good takeaway from that fight. Beyond that, he knocks out Brad Tavares. You see how his, his hands are sharp. His kicks are obviously sharp. Uh, he, he has a lot of power. He's growing into his frame. I think there's a lot of like about this kid. Now, this is a UFC main event. And despite it not being a title fight, the obvious assumption is going to be a five-round fight. This is actually a three-round mm-hmm. fight. I mentioned yesterday at Nas.com, oh, you know what? My greasy theory here would be, just like Magomed Sharapov, maybe he can't really fight five rounds, but we like him. We want to protect him. He's a prospect. Why bother giving him a five-round fight so early in his career? Not he's a little Especially bit Especially like his home in Aldana were supposed to be the main event of this card. So <laughs> Yeah, they're both getting you can't, ready for You a can't fight. tell somebody they've been training for a three-round fight like a week in advance. Like, hey, you've never been in one before. Now it's time. Eh, you don't need to do those extra two rounds. They weren't booked for it. Their contract doesn't say it says three rounds. You know what? That's fine. And as much as I would complain about it on a personal level, then why not make Joanne Calderwood versus Jennifer Maya a five-round fight considering Calderwood was just supposed to fight Shevchenko Shevchenko got injured and pulled out. This is a number Cody. one contender fight. Listen, don't, don't she's not going to beat Shevchenko. I'm saying she was supposed me, to fight Don't Shevchenko. make me say it, Cody. Give me five rounds of that. I'd take it. That'd be a good fight. Okay. And, and Vincente Luque versus Randy Brown. Vincente Luque in a five-rounder. Could you even imagine that? Just considering how train-wrecked his three-rounders are? Anyways, they didn't have to make Shabazian versus Brunson the main event, but they decided to. They like Shabazian. They can promote him here. Brunson apparently was the one. Shout out to Gabe Killian. Uh, Brunson's the one that turned it down and was like, I, I don't want to fight five rounds. I want to fight three. Shabazian was like, cool, I'll fight five. Okay. And, and honestly, you look back at Brunson's body of work, and you know when he was bum-rushing guys and he was getting the KO? Then he was bum-rushing the guys, didn't get the KO, mm-hmm. got KO'd. Then he tried to change up his style, like, maybe I'll just wrestle a little bit. He's 36 years old. He needs to get this fight to the ground ASAP. And I just don't know... That that's going to be enough. Even in a three-round fight, 15 minutes, Shabazian's going to have opportunities to strike with him. And Brunson, one thing. It's amazing how in 2011, he'll get knocked out by Jacare, and everybody says, ah, Derek, you got to keep your chin down. You can't just rush in there with your chin down. Now he's 36 years old. It's 10 years later. I don't know why. He does the exact oh, he just, same you know, thing. Our inflatable arms guy just kind of runs forward. That Robert Whitaker fight was just like, oh, Unbelievable. dear. It's just like, this is not going to work, and it's going to end... Very poorly. He packs a lot of power. You know, he's broken some good shins like Ed Herman in the past. He knocked mm-hmm. out uh, Uriah Hall. He actually was putting some heat on Robert Whitaker before Whitaker just took the punches and delivered some of his back. But that's that's his problem. His striking defense is really bad. So his last fight against Ian Heinish, it's like, okay, he's shorted up. He's going to use his wrestling here. Literally 15 seconds into that fight, he gets kicked in the head by Ian Heinish, and he is hurt. And he just grapples up with Heinish and eventually, you know, s- slows down the pace, gets the fight to where he wants it, and, and pulls through. Against Shabazian, I think that those exact same opportunities will present themselves, only he's not Ian Heinish. He's twice as sharp, twice as accurate, and he packs more power. And I think he will find the target, and he will knock out Brunson. Maybe not happen in the first round, but within... I, I, I'm not an under-one-and-a-half kind of guy, unless it's like a Paul Craig-type fight versus Gazmurad Antigulov. But in this case, it's like it does have the writing on the wall that he could just take him out in the first round. This could be... I'm not saying he's Israel Adesanya. He's not. Mm-hmm. But a young Israel Adesanya is just an accurate, sharp striker. Maybe lacks a little bit of power. And then with Brunson, it was just like, it Edmund's was just got like a, feasting Edmund's on has got a decent grappling game, too. I don't no, know if he's going to be able to use it against Brunson, who's a savvy veteran and has been, been around for years. And, you know, he, he took yeah. down Yoel Romero. So I don't think that's going to be an advantage for Edmund. He but. took down Yoel Romero five years ago, yeah, right? So I, I think there's levels to that. And mm-hmm. you're right. Shabazian can wrestle. He can grapple. He's a kid prodigy. He makes me feel old. 
He's born in 1997. He is a kid prodigy. He's, you know, uh, kids grow up playing hockey. Kids go, grow up playing baseball. They go on. They're these fantastic players. MMA didn't exist. So there's very few kids that grew up doing MMA. They grew up wrestling. They, do a, they grew up doing karate. They grew up, you know, doing kickboxing, whatever it may have been, Muay Thai, whatever. This kid grew up doing it all, man. And as a result, he's extremely well-rounded. But he's 22 years old in a main event, not a five-rounder, but still a main event of a UFC card. And to this point, outside of Brad Tavares, He's largely fought low-level competition. But knocking out Brad Duvars is no easy task. Brad Duvars can take it twice as hard as Brunson, better chin, you know, better striking defense. And in that fight, Shabazian doesn't rush anything. He just lets it happen, and he knocks out a credible guy like Tavares. Here it'll be the same thing. He'll just let it happen because, A, Brunson's going to bum-rush him because that's one part of his style, and he's going to get KO'd. Or, B, Brunson doesn't bum-rush him, and he hangs back, and that, that's even worse. Because then this kid's just going to pick you off at distance, right? Mm-hmm. So I got Shabazian. Uh, three tens a bad price tag. If you take him inside the distance, I don't know what TKO. It's not out yet. I would say knockout over submission, obviously. But just inside the distance is minus 160. Again, that's not a terrible way to go. Five rounds, you'd have him inside the distance all day. But even mm-hmm. in a three-round fight, I just feel like he's going to find the target at some point. Yeah, I agree with pretty much all the statements that you just said. I actually parlayed him with somebody a little bit further down the card. Not too far down the card. Um when he was at minus 275 the other day. Um, let's move on. We've got Joanne Calderwood taking on Jennifer Maya. Calderwood, minus 150 favorite. Maya can be had for plus 130. Cody Saftik's trying to make this the main event of the uh, card. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, wants, he wants five rounds. He wants more rounds. He probably wants a rematch. Uh, from what I heard from him. So uh, why don't you tell us uh, who you like in this one? Well, as far as giving the, the fans an entertaining fight, you should get a striker versus striker matchup. You have the slower plotting but terrorizing Jennifer Maya, who's got that classic Curitiba shoot-to-box style. Mm-hmm. She sits down on her punches. She sits down on her kicks. She's a little bit lumbering, but she's aggressive. She'll just crash that pocket on you and give you a dirty fight. On the other hand, you have, and I know we always joke about this, don't mean shit, but you have European Muay Thai champion Joanne Calderwood, and her striking is legitimately good. She's getting a little bit older, 34. I think best case for her was get the Shevchenko fight now because it's not going to go well, but it ain't going to go any better at 35 or 36 no. years old. Like you, you might as well do it now where you are fighting at your optimal uh, performance level. But uh, say la vie, the fight gets scrapped, and now she really needs to win this Jennifer Maya fight just to ensure that she does get that title fight. But you should have striker versus striker. Jo- uh, Joanne Calderwood routinely fighting three-round fights, scores well over 100 significant strikes. So mm-hmm. she's a nice volume puncher versus Jennifer Maya, who will probably get doubled up on the striking count, but is a lot stronger and more physical than Joanne Calderwood. It's a fun fight, and it's the kind of fight that could be close after three, so that extra two rounds would really give you a good idea of who's able to, physic- to go those championship to rounds. To give Valentina a bigger challenge. I don't think either yeah. one of them is... Both of them will probably be... Plus five hundred and up underdogs when they take on Val. Anybody in the division would be of that number. And if you're Joanne Calderwood, your losses are Caitlin Chukagian, Liz Carmouche. Like essentially, it's just all girls that. Sorry, uh, that's Jennifer Maya's lost to uh, Caitlin Chukagian, Liz Carmouche. Joanne Calderwood also obviously lost to Ch- Caitlin Chukagian, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, and then Jessica Andrade. These are all former title challengers or top contenders, right? So they're all fighting the best of the best. That best of the best that has defeated them has gone on to lose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough sell to now say one of them, who are basically just the leftovers, is going to fight. But I've been impressed with Calderwood, and you got to just look at the timeline of her career, right? Remember, she comes over from Scotland. Her boyfriend was her head coach. She was in a bad mental space. You could see that there was some talent there, but she never could make a click. Then she leaves there. She ended up in TriStar. They- 
There was some good game planning. She wasn't fighting aggressive like she used to. Her ground game improved, but she never made a click. Then she went to Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. And, man, since then, or since she's been in Las Vegas, she's basically just been, like, a completely different fighter. Ground game has improved, but also she's just got a lot more confidence. How I see this, this fight playing out, it comes down to the kicks. So Joanne Calderwood has a, lot, a very good kick game. She'll side kick, she'll leg kick, she'll teep kick. She keeps you at distance with that kicking game. That's going to be key here because a lot of her volume comes from the kicks, and it seems to me like Jennifer Maya struggles, especially with the range and the kicking. So Jennifer Maya is giving up two inches in height to Joanne Calderwood. She's also giving up a little bit in the reach department, but it's that she, because she has that shoot to box style, she weaves side to side and tries to come more or less on a forward line. She'll be there to get kicked. Now you watch Jennifer Maya versus um, what's her name, Canadian fighter. You'll know the strike force, uh, Alexis Davis. You mm. watch her versus Alexis Davis. In the first round, all day, she's just a better striker than Davis. She's more physical than Davis. She's younger. She's more spry. She's got all the advantages in that first round over Alexis Davis. In the second round, Alexis Davis is able to manage manages to take her down. And once Jennifer Maya's on her back, she, she literally presents nothing. She's got nothing off her back. Now, the third round, Davis's corner tells her, you got to go out there. you got to win this third round. Alexis Davis, for I, I don't know why, doesn't want to get the fight back to the ground. She basically is just okay with conceding these strike exchanges and says, you know what, I'll, I'll strike with her. Even striking with Maya in that third round, even in giving her advantage in that third round, she still lands more significant strikes. She still outstrikes her. She still gives her a good round, largely based on the distance and the kicks. So I think Calderwood does the exact same thing. I see it go in the distance, but I think Calderwood either just outstrikes her at distance with more or sneaky. Calderwood's been going for takedowns in her last two fights, securing takedowns. She was to take down Caitlin Chukin three times. I see a where she kicks the kick, takes her down, and, and secures the round. So I'm going to have to go with Calderwood by decision. Apologies for all the uh, the blinking that's going on. Technical issues, man. Why don't we move on? We've got Vicente Luque taking on Randy Brown. Vicente Luque, minus 175 favor. Brown can be had for plus 155. Vicente Luque's been kind of like an ATM for me. Um... The guy's just kind of super sharp everywhere. He's younger than people expect. He's been around for a lot, uh, for a while. He fights. He's taken an astronomical amount of damage. He's taken a lot of damage. Uh, he, he's always in wars, obviously. But, um, he's only 28 years old, uh, still at this point, which I was kind of surprised. I kind of, you know, I think maybe it's just me, but I think that the mentality is from contender series. Randy Brown is the prospect here. He's 30. He's obviously, Randy Brown's got obviously a little bit of reach advantage, two, two and a half inches. He's four inches taller, but the reach is actually 70. Luke K got a long reach on him, yeah. Yeah, 78 to 76. I just don't see enough power from Randy Brown to cause any sort of major issues from Luke K moving forward. And, um, he's going to eat some shots. He always does. But I think just on volume alone, and if we get this fight to the mat, that is the preferred route that we go. I think there's uh, levels to this game, and, and Luke should be able to exploit Brown there, who has decent submissions and a decent ground game himself. But I like, I like, I like Luke he's, he's been good to me over the years. He goes out there, and he fights for your money. Uh, if it was somebody with a little bit more power than Brown, I would be very a lot more concerned. But he Vicente Luque is the guy I parlayed with Shabazian 
Uh, it was slightly over plus money when I got it. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mentioned with Vincente Luque. I mean, I think he's, this, he's had 14 fights in the UFC, 13 and 1 on Vincente Luque fights. I picked him over Leon Edwards once upon a time, and mm-hmm. that was the, literally the only time he lost or let me down. I was thankful to get the other losses. But yeah, no, he's, he's been pretty steady. He's been pretty consistent. He fights lower level guys. Eh, he looks good. He blows right through them. He fights mid level guys. He kind of gives them the, the, the fight. That the only way they can win is if they catch him with something, and mm-hmm. he allows them to do that. I mean, Brian Barberena, Mike Perry especially, he has massive advantages. He's a lot sharper. He's a lot more technical, but he doesn't mind just standing in the pocket. Then you look at the majority of his fights. He stands right in the pocket. Nico Price, stand right in the pocket. All these guys, he makes them stand in the pocket. Randy Brown's path to victory here is that, yeah, he is six foot three. He does have a two-inch reach advantage. He needs to be able to stay away from him. Do not engage this guy. But that's easier said than done when Vincente Luque is coming at you. He does got a great chin. Have we seen him hurt? Yeah. Have we seen him wobbled? Yeah. Have we seen him knocked out? Nah. He takes the punches, right? He takes them well. His own firepower. I mean, this guy is cooking with TNT, baby. Not mm-hmm. only do you look at his recent history and, you know, these sharp KOs. Like, he knocked out Tiago Santos once upon a time on the Brazilian regional. Like He deaded Bilal Muhammad. Who's just got a cast iron chin and is very durable, by the way. So, yeah, it's like, man, this this guy, he's sharp, he's technical, he's accurate. But the key for him here, I think, is going to be the leg kick game. Because Randy Brown being tall, being mobile, that leg is right there for, to be kicked. And you look at, say, his fight with Brian Barberena. In the first round, Brian Barberena has no success other than some leg kicks. And that allows Brown just to grow in confidence. Like, oh, this guy can't hurt me. He can't get to me. And you just see uh, Bar- Brian Barberena just deflate. Like, he just knows, like... Oh no, I, I can't get to him. But the light kicks are, they're adding up. They're actually not too bad. I think Vincente Luque goes to the same game, hurt this guy into the leg to slow him down. Now that he's not as mobile, he'll have to fight you in the pocket. When you fight a guy that's that much taller than you in the pocket, his counters, his reaction time, they're not as quick, right? Just because you're not as sharp. You're the taller guy. You want to stay at range. You want to use that reach. So Luque, just like Luque always do, will probably have a close, competitive, dicey first round. But I think after that, the damage should start to pile up, and he should be able to pull away with it in those later rounds. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I envision a world where he hurts Brown. Brown eventually gets desperate, maybe shoots a desperation takedown. Luke's got a decent uh, uh, anaconda choke. He's got a decent uh, submission game. Maybe he wraps one up. But but Brown, A, just got a word his black belt, and B, is coming off a submission win over Warley Alves. Mm. And that's a feather in your cap, right? Warley... Worley Just gets like a stuffed pig and, in the heat. Yeah, Worley oh, gets yeah, tired yeah. and, and looks submitted. for the door. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Vicente but does not do that, I'll tell you that much. No, no, Vincente Luque could be down two rounds. Like, uh, and, appara- he's, and he's coming for murder. Right, right. A lot of people thought Brian Barberena was beating him. To, I, I don't I don't see it, but very close fight. Mm-hmm. And then in the third round, he, he knocks him out. He does what he's got to do. The Perry fight, a lot of people scored it against him. But it's like in the third round, you, he's he's going for it, man. Like you said, he fights for your dollar. So you're looking at a minus uh, 175 price tag, and that doesn't even seem bad at all. But, and, and I know that this is the kind of the consensus out there, is that even though he's only 28, you can't take that much damage. At some point, uh, of course. somebody's going to chin check this guy and it won't go good. However, Mike Perry hits a lot harder than Randy Brown. I know Brown's making improvements, but it's going to take somebody with some, with some decent pow-pow in his hands to be able to 
be the first guy to crack it. So I'm going to have to go with Vincente Luque. I think Brown's tough enough to maybe hang around. And I noticed that Vincente Luque by decisions, like plus 265. But the buyer beware there is Vincente Luque doesn't fight like a guy that's planning on going no. 15 minutes. He The whole time you're watching the fight, you're going to be like, oh, no. Why maybe he gets to the why ground and gets a real fast sub, too. Like, I think that's in the cards. Yeah, I know yeah, Randy Brown, so. you just said, as you just said, just got his black belt. But 175 is pretty fair straight up. You know, and that's that's it's you don't have to go chasing maybe that extra submission TKO decision. It's not a bad price as it is. Yeah, I, I like Vicente a lot. I've got him, got him locked into a couple parlays this week already, and I'll end up liking him quite a bit on DraftKings. As you kind of like Vicente Luque every week or every fight, unless he's taking on one of the elites on DraftKings. Um, let's move on to the next fight though. We have Lando Venata taking on Bobby Green. Lando Venata minus one fifty favorite. Bobby Green. Plus 130. I believe this is a rematch from UFC 206 where the two men fought to a draw. Here's what happens with Bobby Green fights. He'll stand there, not really do all that much. And then when you do hit him, he'll go, nah, 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 that didn't hurt me. But like, <laughs> the judge saw that you got hit, Bobby. Uh, he didn't do that all, all as, uh, as much in his last time out, but. Clay was on his ass. He wasn't giving him a whole lot of opportunities. Uh, to that is crap. very, very true. Um, I mean, yeah, Bobby Green, it, it is dog or pass. It's going to be a pass for me. These guys fought to a draw. And it's just not wide enough for me to take a shot at Bobby Green. I think it's going to be an incredibly close fight. When we go to the scorecards, either guy can win. Same way as before. Is a draw still in the cards? Probably. Um, yeah, we saw the fight. I don't think either guy is really taking a massive step up in either sort of direction. I think they're around the same. It's Dogger Pass, so I guess it would be Bobby Bobby Green at plus 130 is where I would go with this if I had to, but I'm probably just staying away. Yeah, I got Bobby Green on this fight, but I too am staying away because this, this fight's going to end up costing me money. I have a hatred for Lando Venata that's going to make me blind. What do you hate about Lando? Uh, man, He's your I'm, guy, Groovy Lando. You went there on was, and There on. was a time. There was a time. There and then was. again, when I, once I found out he was just a rinky-dink bullshit fighter, he fights one round. And it is one hell of a round, baby. This guy's dynamic. He he's he he wrestled collegiately for half a semester. Keep in mind, but the guy that can wrestle, he's young. He's got good footwork. Uh, you know, he throws some spinning back kicks. Then win, no, win over John McDessey. It's crazy. The fight taking a fight on short notice versus Tony Ferguson, almost KOing him twice in the first round. Crazy. This guy's building up. Going into the Bobby Green fight, I like him now. Keep in mind it's a draw, but this is how it becomes a draw. So the first round, Lando Venata beats the shit out of Bobby Green. He drops him with a clean left. Bobby Green goes down. He swarms him. He's pounding him. It would otherwise be a 10-8 round, I would think. And he lands an illegal knee. So he loses yeah. a point in the first round. The second round's close. And I thought Bobby was working his way back into it very nice. But it is close. You could score it either way. But let's let's just give it to Bobby because, damn, dude, you came back from that first round. That was cool. I'll give you that second round. Then the third round is Bobby Green. So two rounds to one. The point deduction mm. creates a draw. A lot of people disagree with that because Lando beat him so bad in the first round. But so my, like but pride my, rules, it's like, well, Lando beat him up so bad that, you know, Lando gets the nod in just judging a fight. Uh, sure, but pride rules as well. It'd be like, yeah, you beat him for the first five minutes and then he was putting to you by the end. So who won the fight? Bobby mm. Green won the fight. You know, by the end of it, Bobby's going dancing and he's got his hands up and Lando's gotten figured out. And that's when I started. It wasn't hatred at the time. That's when it was just like... So Lando's got one round. He needs to give you one round. And then then he literally, he loses to Drakkar Close, where he's the favorite, and he does nothing in the fight. But then the Matt Frivola fight, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. In the first round, he puts it on him. He 10-8s him in the first round. 
And then rounds two and three, he gets figured out for Vola beats this guy. I don't want to talk about the Marcus Mariano fight. Remember uh, Anderson's buddy that That just, was just free money submission first round. Like that was Mariano so had stupid. I don't even understand. Yeah, it was ridiculous so, that he so even stupid. got a contract. Right. And then and then he again drops as a plus or he he loses a fight to Mark Casey. So at this point he's failed to live up to his expectation. I don't have hate hatred for the guy. And you know that's always a strong word. I obviously don't hate him. What I'm saying is at this point by the Casey fight He's not that good. He's a one-round fighter. His power, it's either he catches you not looking like Ferguson or McDessey. Outside of that, once you get hit a couple times from him, the power doesn't translate. The wrestling, once he takes you down, he can't hold you down. Once he gets a first couple early takedowns, he never gets later in the fight takedowns. It's all a problem. Then he gets the Yancey Medeiros fight. I decide I'm going to fade him. I'm going to take Yancey Medeiros. Yancey Medeiros is going to take his best shot, stand there. And he literally ran away the entire time. But he fought... What is a brilliant Elias Theodoru-type game plan, which is just dink-dank you a few times with a kick and a jab, and then just leave. Run away. Run away. And you know what? Yancey Medeiros is tall and lanky. He was not fast enough to catch Lando. 5'9", in and out of the pocket so fast. It was a terrible fight, and it really showed me Lando's not there to fight no more, right? Maybe he takes Bobby Green out of the first round like the last fight. He lands a quick shot. That's it. If this thing gets out of the first round, man, he gets figured out quick. And the, the one thing with Bobby Green, even though he's 33 now, and you made a good point, no, none of these guys has really taken a big step up since the fight. Bobby Green's getting robbed, man. He beat Dracker close, outstruck him, and got the short end of a decision, which I thought he won. And then he did the exact same thing against Francisco Trinaldo. He took down Francisco Trinaldo. He outstruck Francisco Trinaldo, and he should have won the decision. But again, they screw him on it. And then he gets back in the win column with the fight over Clay Guida. So basically, he's always in close fights. The first fight was a close fight. This one will probably be a close fight. Why would you not take the underdog? Plus 130, it's dog or pass. Yeah. But I might be blind because I would never bet Lando Venata. You hate Lando, clearly. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. He rose me the wrong way. There's something about... Elias is the same way. On a personal level, you know Elias the same way, right? Mm-hmm. On a personal level, good dude. Like, I ain't, I ain't watching that shit, man. He, Lando was an all-action fighter. And then just like the Cesar Ferreras of the world, once they decided they didn't really want to get hit all that much anymore, they just switched off. That's called winning, and winning's cool. But, uh, but I want guys that are going to go in there and, and scrap and build the fan base of what MMA is. And Bobby Green, for as, as much of a clown as he can be when he's in there, man, I like the shoulder roll. I like his counterpunching. His ground game's improving exceptionally. I think Bobby Green might be able to pull this one off. But the smart play is probably just pass clean. All right, we got Kevin Holland taking on Trevin Giles. Kevin Holland, minus 210 favorite. Trevin Giles can be had for plus 175. I mean, Kevin Holland's last fight, he kind of fought exactly how you want him to fight. But it was only 39 seconds. Yeah, yeah. He used his reach. He, you know, he, uh, Hernandez was at the end of his punches, did everything perfectly. You're just like, this is what this guy should be doing. He shouldn't be chasing these takedowns. He shouldn't be tiring himself out by grappling because he doesn't seem to be able to grapple for 15 and minutes. karate chops and shit. I don't know why but he But the does fight that. ended so quick that it's just like you didn't really get to see the full uh, Kevin Holland. So I'm hesitant to lay minus 210 on him in this spot against a point fighter in Trevin Giles who, if he's able to evade, maybe he can take over in rounds two and three. Um, I want, yeah. I mean, DraftKings, I'm Kevin, anytime Kevin Holland's on a card, he's definitely in play. Um, but from a betting perspective, I just think on this card, there's, you know, you have a Luke at minus 175. 
I don't know if I feel the need to uh, to pay up for Kevin Holland, who is just a very variant, like a high variant type of fighter. I hope that the guy who we saw against Hernandez, who he used all of his all advan- thirty nine seconds, all thirty nine seconds. But I hope Hernandez. I could see two rounds <laughs> oh, of that. that. Guy, yeah, if yeah. you see that, I would pay the two ten. I just can't trust him to do that. He he likes mixing it up. He's a real character as well. Um, yeah, actually, I'm. Uh, it's a pass for me at this price, but the pick is Holland. You make a very good point. You only need to see that from him for two rounds because then even if the wheels fell off in round three, Giles' <laughs> wheels are rolling down the road, bud. They, he just can't fight more than ten minutes, man. Yeah. He does. There are There is some skill there. Giles does have the type of uh, style where hold this guy up against the cage, hustle out two rounds, and then protect yourself in the third. But he just has the inability to do that. The guys that have been finishing, the Zach Cummins of the world, you know, hurting him and then submitting him in that third round, did he want to weigh out? No, he was legitimately hurt by the punch. Same thing. Same guillotine choke catches him again. But then James Krause. James Krause has fought his best fights at 155. He can fight at 170. No, no, no. He fights Drevin Giles, 185 pounds, on 24 hours' notice. And gave him a go, man. So where's Trevin Giles at? Now, you can actually go back to he debuts in the UFC. He's undefeated. He's the LFA champ. He's 9-0 and UFC debut. And he beats James Bachnevik. Like, the woat. Yeah, yeah. Probably one the, of the, the worst guys in recent. The middleweight woat, potentially. Yeah, I've yeah. never done a middleweight uh, worst fighter, but like Bachnevich is right. You know, people in the are like, mix. man, the UFC roster is watered down now. It's like there's always been guys like <laughs> yeah. that. There's just more of them now, but there's always been guys. Of course. Anyways, he beats James Bachnevich. Then he follows that up with a not so, not so impressive, but he gets the win, third round TKO over Antonio Braganito, who now weighs 300 pounds. In case you're wondering, a raps boy. Yeah, and was Rap released for. was released from the HD, UFC. HD. Lose to Zach Cummings, who's gatekeeper journeyman. Top 30 guy, lose to Jeremy Shart, gatekeeper journeyman, 33 years old, and then struggled on that fight to James Krause. So it's not look, it's not looking good. But that, that all goes back to after he br- beat Braga Nito, he became a full-time police officer. And since then, he's got a full-time job and a tough job, especially in today's climate. He's got a tough job. And I don't know that he's been able to dedicate that cardio and getting in the gym and going twice a day and hard sparring. And he's got a life and he's got a career and he's got a pension. I wouldn't blame the guy either. But since then, he just has can't fight three rounds. And that's going to be bad against Kevin Holland. Now, Kevin Holland is so spotty, like you said. And I might be one of those guys that's playing a little too much on Kevin Holland. 210 is a bad price tag. He should be the favorite. I'd love to pay 175, 185. Mm-hmm. But you probably end up taking the 210. The biggest takeaway I have in the Hernandez fight is not the 39-second finish. It's not anything you see beyond the bell ringing. It's that physically he looked awesome. Mm-hmm. He's 27 years old. You get the impression that here's a guy that was tall and rangy and had no clue how to use it. He's throwing yeah. karate chops. He's looking around. His hands are always low. His cardio is not great. But he's competing. He's competing often enough. He's clearly training hard. And this is everything to him. This is his bread and butter. So one would have to believe that even if Giles is able to neutralize him a little bit in the first round, Holland eventually is going to be able to just start kicking that body, working that body, and as a result, break him down. And just like we've seen with Trevin Giles in the third round when he's barely able to be there, maybe Kevin Holland capitalizes. Again, 210, not a big, not, not a very good price tag, but I think that uh, it's warranted. Kevin Holland should be the favorite. Jonathan Martinez takes on Frankie Signs. <laughs> Jonathan Martinez is a minus 250 favorite. Signs can be had for plus 210. Um, I'm just going to guess, since you're our resident ageist, and I actually kind of agree with this, uh, Frankie Sainz at that division, 
a little bit too old, slowing down, and I just, yeah, I couldn't in good faith put money on him at this stage in his career. I think the wheels have fallen off. Um, minus 250 seems like a hefty, hefty price tag to pay for a unproven guy like Jonathan Martinez, but yeah, Frankie just looks, he looks, in those, the lighter weight classes, like, when speed is the first thing to go, and he, how old is signs now? You probably 39. just looked it up. I knew No, you, no, I, I, I already knew from already yesterday, knew. but yeah, 39. 39. If you're a heavyweight, that still works. At, at uh, bantamweight, weight, uh, it's a young, fast, like, 30 years old, 32 and up is, like, when guys start kind of petering off. So, yeah, again, pick is Martinez, unless you talk me into it, because you're the GOAT. Um, I'm going to probably pass on this one, too. You know what? As of last night, I was looking at Frankie Science as at least a dog with a shot. You know, he's coming in with some decent dog money when you consider, yeah, I completely agree. Jonathan Martinez, 250. Jonathan Martinez has effectively beaten a very low level of competition in the UFC. And when Andre Sukhmatath and Wuji Buren are taking you down, one has to imagine that Frankie Signs is going to take you down as well. Frankie Signs is a superior wrestler. He's got that grindy old man strength. If he's able to clinch up with Jonathan Martinez and secure takedowns, he does have a clear path to victory. But at 39 years old, Frankie Signs is starting to get a little bit of a little bit war torn, and I don't know that his chin's going to hold up in a firefight against this young Jonathan Martinez. Martinez comes to the UFC, and I like him as an exciting prospect, but he's never going to get to a world-class level. What I had failed to realize is, even though I knew he was young, he's still only 26, and now you're seeing all these fights, he's getting comfortable. He's clearly got a, a striking base. That's what he likes. He likes to throw knees up the middle. He's got an excellent kick game. Frankie Signs being that short, stocky power wrestler, when he stays on the outside and he starts to get kicked up, it's a very easy path for him. So I completely see that Jonathan Martinez just avoids those takedowns, avoids those grappling, stays up, chops away at him. But I just don't know that's going to be that easy. Signs is going to have some advantages, probably in the first round. I think Martinez, you don't like him at 250. Maybe you sit on the first round. Let's say the first round, Frankie Signs goes out, he gets, gets some takedowns, down. he you know he holds him down a little bit. Three minutes of top control. Martinez gets up. Frankie signs evades him a little bit. Now you're looking at a minus 160, maybe a minus 150, Jonathan Martinez, because he's just dropped Maybe around. even a pick him. Sometimes they just really over... I mean, they re- overreact all the of time course. in these live markets right now. It's crazy. Now, keep like, in mind... They, listen to the commentary, too. If you disagree with the commentary, it seems like the books are kind of going in line with the commentary and not actually what's happening in the cage. Yeah, so, so let's say, for example, he loses that first round, and all of a sudden, Bisbing and they were talking like... Oh, well, you know what? Frankie Signs is a savvy veteran, a big wrestler. He wrestled the Martinez is getting shown what it's like Uh, to fight in the UFC. Well, that's uh, these young kids, man. That's why you got to round out your game. Oh, he's knocked out. You know, like, and that's how it happens. And so with Frankie Signs, here was a guy that used to be a grimy, committed to the wrestle, uh, grinding style wrestler. But as he's gotten a little bit older, He's getting fatigued. And when you fight that kind of style, you have to be able to do it for 15 minutes. So when, remember when he fought Eddie Wineland? The first two rounds, he's trying to grind on Eddie Wineland. In the third round, he's exhausted. And Eddie Wineland just batters him and knocks him out. Then he takes a little bit of time off, comes back, beats Henry Briones. The Marab Debashvili fight, he won. Super impressive, especially on paper. He was taken down 11 times in that fight. So I don't know if you agree or not that he lost that. But again, that's in 2017. He's still at 36. He's still got some fight in him. 39 is a little bit harder to imagine that he's going to go out there and do something against Martinez. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go the other way. And then the last thing is this fight with Marlon Vera's last time out. It looked like the kicks, obviously, the range, the speed, the kicks just chewed him up. And as soon as something glanced off him, he was hurt. He went down. The rest steps in, stops it. It happens quick. I could see Martinez doing the same thing. Use that flashiness. Use that speed. Use those kicks and hurt this guy and put him away. So 
Again, I'm going to have to take another favorite here in Jonathan Martinez, but I would say, yeah, 250. I'd like to have seen look it for it live because this should look probably go to do it. Look for it live. Or at least get to round one or get to round two at least. In terms of, yeah, just I just wanted to talk about when I said that, uh, you know, the commentary and some of these lines are getting out of hand in the live market. Not to pat myself on the back. Trinaldo? Trinaldo after round two? After round two, plus 800. A lot of books were offering. I thought he won plus, round yeah. one, or at least it was close enough round one that like he won two, round one. I two of the three judges one. could have done it. it was Lost like, round two. <laughs> he was dead in the water. Oh, he looks so tired. Frankie uh, Masaranduba just always kind of like after round after one round, he always looks tired. But he's done this a whole bunch of times where he finishes guys in round three or comes on strong in round three. The old man still has some pretty good cardio for. You know he's, my he's thing stronger is, than your grandpa. I'll yeah, tell you yeah, that much. yeah. Well, my thing was the first round he wins, the second round he's getting clowned on. Oh no, yeah. no, and he looks exhausted. But the last fifty seconds, forty seconds yeah, of the round, no, man, too. he caught a second win, and mm-hmm. you knew right then. Oh, it's one and I one. Saw eight to one in the window, and I was just one like, one going into the third, and he caught a second okay, win. Okay, let's now, go. I thought he would just win the round and take a twenty nine. Yeah, I didn't think the finish was coming that fast. <laughs> Holy shit, man! He blasted. It was a small punt, but it was yeah, it was, it was a nice little chunk of change that i got just kept going like wait a second like if he won round one i've seen this guy he's fought in round three after looking round uh, tired in round two before like we're not dead yet That's eight, why, yeah. eight to one seems like he's dead in the water he has no chance so some of these live markets have been absurd so keep your eye on uh, yeah some yeah of these yeah ones. they thought they thought father time was cruising to a decision <laughs> victory and trinaldo said not today absolutely smashed him Good, good for Grandpa. Can't wait to see him in action again and again. Book him all the time. He must have some like grandkids or something that can they, that they can sign that Dana can sign to at least like a provisional contract. If at he this point. doesn't have a grandchild, I'm sure Alex Cowboy Oliveira would offer one of his <laughs> up because ten is just a crazy amount, man. My God. Hey, he had a hell of a performance. That was the best he's looked as well. Yeah, I uh, thought it looked like a trap line. Why is he sitting at minus 170? And it, it feels like Luke. He's like, am I missing something? Why is he only sitting at 170? Mm-hmm. And then come fight time, he's like, minus 135. So I was like, wow, big money coming on Sabato, which it didn't quite get. But yeah, it's, you can't, that's the problem if you listen to 10 shows and if you communicate to 100 people on Twitter and you get all these different opinions. You know, it's use a lot all, of noise. Use and then all you, that information yeah. to form your own opinion, but it's a lot of distraction when you're like, I got this guy, and then someone you like or someone you, you have faith in or you respect, respect yeah. yeah, is just like, I, I think this guy's getting KO'd. It just causes you to be like, mm. You start second-guessing yourself. And yeah, so it's you have to keep informed. Yeah. You have to watch shows. It's you on have you to at the end people. of the day. You make but the, the more, decision. Yeah. You're the one who clicks the button. And that's why I feel bad. I do read the comments, and I'll see people like uh, – it's a good example for Volkan Uzdemir's last fight. The comment section is, you're an idiot. Why would you go against Volkan Uzdemir? And Yuri Prochaska knocks him out. Literally like the next week, I got Dan Ige. And the comment section is, I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. Calvin Cater's going to beat him. And, and Calvin does. But then last week, it's the same. What do you, what do, you do? Do I listen? Did I li- should I have listened to Volkan? I- so then last week's the same thing. And there was a lot of people that were on Darren Till in the comment section. Yeah, it's a close fight. Maybe Till could have knocked him out in the first round. Maybe Till won one, four, and five. I get the arguments. But what I'm saying is I, I can't I, – Stick I like to your you guys. Guns. Yeah, I like you guys. But if, I, but if I say something, I have to stick with it. Like yep. That's my opinion. I can't allow the other things to change it. So I'm not sure how that ties into fucking Jonathan Martinez versus Frankie Science. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those situations where uh, you just do your research. You try to do the best you can, and you hope for a little bit of good bounces along the way. 100%. We've got uh, Gerald Mearshart taking on Ed Herman. Mearshart, minus 175. Herman, 
plus 155. What's your take here? Yeah, yeah. I just can't get behind Gerald Mearshart. I can't I can't support the old GM3. Number of reasons here. One, I've never considered him to be a trustworthy fighter. I, you got you can't look beyond the record of 31 and 13 to just realize here's a guy that can win, here's a guy that can lose. He wins exciting, he loses exciting. But there are a lot of holes in his game. Fighting at 185 pounds, yeah, you just don't really know what you're going to get out of him. His wrestling, just okay. But he's got good cardio. His grappling's good. Very opportunistic. Good submissions. If he's on top of you, you got a problem. His striking's developing. He's very hittable. But, again, willingness to throw. Decent knees in the clinch. Not, not so much crazy power or anything. Yeah, doesn't have a whole lot of power and doesn't have a great chin. And you see him getting older. And you see him getting slugged out by lesser competition. And now you just get the impression that here's a fun, all-action fighter that can fight lower-ending guys in the division. But that's about it. So it takes on Ian Heinish. We're team pro Heinish. It's the punch that lands from Heinish is not a particularly debilitating blow. But it's I mean, a good I punch. was team Heinish. And then my bet got canceled. Oh, we got and then COVID. I didn't re-bet <laughs> right. it because I was That's just like, his right. corner had COVID. That's right. And then it was a false positive. So then I never got back into a bet. But I didn't, I mean, I, that was the first time somebody had ever been potentially removed from a card due to COVID-19. So I was like, I don't. How is he going to deal with this? I mean, he was the guy who survived in Rikers Island, so I'm sure he was able to get through it just fine. I should have thought about that at the time and remade my wager, but uh, no, 100. percent But yeah, we were on. We were on, at least on the show. We were fully on board. But with the, but uh, Mearshart had shown to that point a pretty good chin. I mean, the only guy that knocked me was Thiago Santos, and that's very forgivable. But that punch from Heinish was almost like, oh man, overhand right, clips you on the top of the head almost. It's a good punch. He's not out of it, but he's hurt. He doesn't really know where he's at. He's down for a while. He doesn't just pop back up to his feet and protest the stoppage. It's a bad, it's a good enough, like, stoppage loss. Now, he's less than two months removed since losing to Ian Heinish mm-hmm. by knockout in a minute and 14 seconds with the overhand right. Okay. He's only, he's two months, less than two months removed from that. And he's taking a short notice fight. At 205 pounds, which is, you know, the difference between 125 and 135, 10 pounds. Difference between 145, 155, 10 pounds. Difference between uh, this is 20 pounds, right? Maybe the 20, maybe that weight cut is what he thinks is causing his uh, inability to take damage. I, I, I would say what's causing him to jump up to 205, because mind you, Gerald Mearshart used to fight at welterweight. Then he moved, he filled in his frame, who moved up to 185. I think he's only six foot one, so he's not like a particularly huge middleweight by any stretch. He's jumping up at 205 because Ed Herman's supposed to fight um, Daung Jung, right? Daung Jung fight first time, coronavirus off. Second time, Daung Jung pulls out due to an injury. So now Mearshart, taking on short notice, doesn't have time to cut down to 185. He's just going to take it at 205. And he's a lot faster than Ed Herman. Ed Herman, 39. You want to talk about Frankie Sines is 39. He's a, he's a, a beat up 39, bud. Oh, yeah. Uh, wrestled collegiately, ultimate fighter fame, 40 fights under his belt. Again, big old journeyman record on him. You can see where Ed Herman's starting to get, you know, a little bit slower, and he will give up some advantages to Mearshart. But he's on a two-fight winning streak. Mm-hmm. He does a good job of not fighting all the time, so he's not taking that damage. I think he's taking care of his body. And honestly, at 205 pounds, I could not look you in the eye and tell you that there's not at least a possibility that Ed Herman's going to clinch up with this guy, dirty box him, and hurt him. Yeah. And once he hurts him, Mearshart's game of getting these guys down to the ground going to be a little harder against Herman. He's 20 pounds bigger, and he's a natural wrestler. Yep. Once you do get Herman to the ground, he's a black belt, a decent black belt. So he's not a fish out of water in any one domain. But Herman at 39 can't take the best punch anymore. He used to be ironclad. But people have broke the chin yeah. since then. But Mearshart really doesn't present yep. that, that stinging KO power, especially 
jumping up a weight class. So, so anyways, all I'm saying is Herman is an absolute live dog at plus 155. Yep. But do you want to bet no. at Herman in 2020? Here's, here's, here's my mentality about this. I think I was, I was had like basically the same mindset as you. I saw a bunch of steam coming in on, on Mirror's chart and I was just like, I don't know if he can really wear the damage all that much. He's just the, the biggest issue is, yeah, er, uh, Herman training with like Sonnen and all of those guys. For so many years, his wrestling's on point. Gerald Mearshart's at his best when he's on top. I don't think he can get Ed Herman to that. 39-year-old Ed Herman, the one thing I think he can still do quite well is defend a takedown. So then if you have a sloppy stand-up affair between the two of these, yeah, maybe Mearshart couldn't edge him out in that type of... He's a little bit... Uh, he, I don't know if he's longer. Um, a little bit faster. Maybe he can do it, but do you really want to lay minus 175 and trust on a guy who doesn't really want to fight at that range to, to fight that way? I think the best bet in this fight is fight goes to decision plus 110. Just the fact that I know that both of these guys have reputations for not being able to take damage, but I don't think their oppo- uh, each opponent is actually all that capable, or at least not, you know, is not 55% of the time going to put this fight to a close. So that, I haven't made a bet on it yet, but I've been eyeing that one all week. I'm going to watch the weigh-ins, and if I lose a couple points on it, if it becomes a 50-50, we just, you know, we accept it. But I think fight goes to decision plus uh, plus 110 is my favorite play here. Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually don't mind that at all. And I would look a little bit at my, uh, over 2.5, just in mm-hmm. the case that Herman does Gets get tired. tired. And that's and minus then, 110-ish. Yeah, minus he starts getting a port on him later on in the fight, and Mearshart does stick around and can port on maybe. But again, Mearshart jumping up to light heavyweight, it would suggest his cardio is going to be way better. But you try grappling with a guy, that a big, strong guy, for 10 minutes, two rounds, and you, oh, my cardio is going to be better. Like, no, I'm zapped. Why am I so zapped? You're dealing with a much bigger guy. And if this is a grinding affair, which Herman would love to make it a grinding affair because he's just so slow mm-hmm. on the outside. He's very lumbering and slow at this stage. His boxing's not bad. He's got okay hands. But they come at you real slow, and you can kind of time them out pretty good in counter. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that fight go the distance or over two and a half. And the last point is I heard a couple of people saying that they like the under on this fight for the simple reason of, dude, both these guys are starting to get finished a little bit more. Again, you look at Mearshard, he's getting finished by Thiago Santos, and the Heinish fight, even though I mentioned his chin might be gone a little bit, you know, still a, a top guy. And Ed Herman got bum-rushed by Derek Brunson, who's got absolute power in his hands, doesn't set it up particularly well. He's no, got but power if he lands hands. the clean yeah. one, you're going night Yeah, night. and he got kicked in the head by Nikita Krylov, who's got like a 97% finish percentage or, so, or finish ratio, right? So yeah, I don't think that he's super chinny. I don't think that Mearshard, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Mearshard maybe chinny, Mm-hmm. But again, Ed Herman might not be the guy to expose him right away because he yeah. is so slow. He might just take the grind him down route. So uh, yeah, over two and a half and fight goes the distance. Not a bad look either. We got uh, Ray Borg taking on Nate Maness. Ray Borg minus 235 favorite. Maness is plus 195. Biggest uh, glaring thing here. Ray Borg obviously probably should be fighting at 125 pounds. Missed weight. It's just his frame, right? He's like five foot four. Like Nate Maness, I don't have it. He's 5'9". He's got like a 9-inch reach advantage. 8, I think. But yeah, that's big. Monster. Uh Monster. Question I have for you is, can he stop the grappling of Ray Borg? Because Ray Borg's going to be shooting for takedowns, you got to think. And shooting for him early because otherwise he's just going to be eating shots from the outside. Ray Borg's really, really fast. But uh, eight inches of reach against just about anybody. Like that's that's a massive, massive advantage. Um what do you got here? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Ray Borg. I got Ray Borg because I do think that he'll be successful with those takedowns. And even if he gets the takedown and Naaman S fights his way and gets back up, it's like, that's okay. Ray Borg just needs to fight him the same way he fought 
Louis Smolka, the same way he fought Ro- Rogerio Bonturin, just like get on this guy and take him down. When you take away his wrestling advantage, Ray Borg's limited, right? However, I used to think he was a very bad striker. You see the improvements he's mm-hmm. being made. So give him Ricky Simon. He can't take down Ricky Simon. Ricky Simon's just a little too short, a little too stout, you know, power 135 wrestler, not able to get him down. But at least his hands looked okay in that fight. It's his, it, it, I thought he's making improvements, at least in the boxing. If he can't get you to the ground, at least he's got something he can fall back on. Now he's supposed to fight Marab Devashvili. Oh, man, that is going to be a bad time for Ray Borg. If he thought he couldn't take down Ricky Simone, He's not taking down Marab Devashvili. This is going to be a problem. Pulls out, two days out, personal issues. Now you go from fighting Marab Devashvili, the Georgian power wrestling machine, to fighting Nate Menez? That's, that's a hell of a swing, man. Ali Abdelaziz did his job. Kid, <laughs> pull out. Well, I'm not hurt. Say your feelings are hurt. You have personal reasons. Get out of the fight. We'll get you something better. Now look at the yeah, optics. The Marab fight was like the worst matchup he could possibly have in the division. Yeah. So now you look at the optics and it's like, okay, we've got Nate Maness versus Ray Borg. Nate Maness is making his UFC debut. Okay. Ray Borg has 12 fights in the UFC. Ray Borg is a former UFC flyweight title challenger. He went five rounds with Demetrius Johnson before getting subbed. He's got big wins over top guys in the division like UC or Formiga. He's fighting at 135 now, but... I, I, he's got all that back class. And then again, it, I could hear the argument of, dude, he's on his way out. He's an aged veteran. He's a former title challenger, but never a champion. He's not getting back into title challenge. He's on his way out. He's 26. He's three years younger than Nate Maness. So this, it's suggesting that Borg's going to be making improvements still. Like you see in his hands, in his boxing, he's still getting better and better. Not huge between fights, but there are still being improvements being made there. Manessa's got the power advantage. Manessa's probably got the boxing advantage, I would say, because he's longer, he stays to the outside, and he sets up his right hand very nice. You can't sleep on this guy's power. However, Ray Borg never been knocked out. In fact, Ray Borg never really come close to being knocked out, and I know this sounds like I'm stereotyping, but Ray Borg Mexican, he has a cast iron chin, okay? Mexicans have cast iron chins. Ray Borg, the tag's Mexican devil, is in the same category. So if I'm relying on Nate Maness, well, he's just such a big power puncher, he's going to hurt Borg. Like I, I don't know. I think he hits Borg, but I think Borg takes the punch, get closes in, gets a hold of him. And when he gets a hold of him, just rinse and repeat with takedowns. So mm-hmm. when we get to the DK side of things, Borg at his best can score 10 takedowns. Borg at his worst can score 6, 7 takedowns and lose. Like the Casey Kinney fight, he got, he got like something like 58 points on a loss because he had 7 takedowns and some ground transitions and some reversals. He's a guy with a with a uh, his like his basement not bad his ceiling pretty high so he's pretty versatile on DraftKings as far as this fight goes I can't completely write off Nathan Maness I'm not gonna put Borg on absolutely everything because he has let me down before but I talked about Ray Borg um, last night on a show and he was minus two hundred this morning he's minus two thirty five people are realizing so it's it and moving. moving in but what I would say is that Borg is proven to be a decision machine. Why do you got to take down a guy 10 times in a fight? Because he keeps getting back up. He's not holding these guys down. He's not ground and pounding them. He never lands significant strikes, and he's not submitting them. Borg so, by decision minus, minus 110, right? So I think you're going to go like Borg, it. and you're going to go Borg by decision to chase a better value on it. Nathan Maness, strong enough, tough enough, should be able to be there for at least 15 minutes, but hopefully Borg has his way with the takedowns and secures the uh, decision victory. Marcus Maluco Perez takes on Eric Spicely. Marcus Perez minus 200 favorite, plus 170. On Eric Spicely. Who's betting Eric Spicely at plus 170? Let me ask you that. <laughs> Anybody? Well, he, he fights 
hard for five minutes. Eh, three and a half minutes. He goes for it hard. I think we've but seen I don't, enough I don't, from enough. Maluko's grappling game. He seems to be like he used to kind of come out and be a bit of a goof, but like his last couple of performances, he seems to be a little bit more like focused in his approach. His grappling seems strong enough to like maybe avoid any sort of Tiago. Sa- oh, that Tiago Santos loss was. Oh, rest in peace to all the parlays. All the apple pies were shat on in that moment. Yeah, I had like a five of six, and it's like I'm already counting my money. Cause like, that's how Spicely wins. He can't, yeah, he just he can't really strike, right? He's, he doesn't really have a wrestling game. He's going to yeah. have to tie you up, grab a hold of you, and try to submit you. Yeah. That's, he's, lost his, he's lost his last four UFC fights. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough task roll there. So, like, right. minus 200. I know Marcus Presby don't usually pay this type of price for him. It's usually, like, pick'ems or, some that, or like, under dog type of thing but i mean unless you talk me out of it i'm considering i'm adding them to some plays and, and and going down this path what's your take here yeah no so eric spicely kind of a a funny story in the sport of mma but he, i mean before he was even mma he was like a skateboarder then by his own account he'd go to the skate park and he'd get in fights with people then eventually starts training martial arts and had a decent little regional show career on uh on the east coast gets to the ultimate fighter comes to the ufc Never supposed to be a threat in the UFC. Never supposed to do any real noise in the UFC. But like you said, he beats Tiago Santos in a, just to make sure, he cashes as a plus 450. It's like, God damn. He follows that up being Alicio DiTarico. Impressive enough. Again, first round triangle choke. He's opportunistic. He's got good submissions. And he needs, needs to get on you quick mm-hmm. and try to submit you quick. When that doesn't work, he rolls right over. His last fight against... um uh, against uh, Deron Wynn, right? It goes the distance. But that's the first time he'd been the distance in five years. Mm-hmm. Typically, his fights don't get out of the first round or two. And with Deron Wynn, Deron Wynn's just not a finisher. He's not finishing anything. If you look at his physique, it looks like he's finishing lots of things looks like he's finishing on the plate. sandwiches, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, as far as like the game goes, like his boxing's not sharp. He's got absolutely no reach. He doesn't want to exert himself, so he doesn't throw combinations. He's not knocking out anybody, right? So in at the time, because he's a big underdog, and he's getting touched off by Deron Wynn but not going down, it's almost impressive. UFC owes him one. He lost three in a row in the UFC, but he won two regional uh, show fights, and he was doing pro wrestling, and he, he was dabbling a little bit, but they needed somebody for Deron Wynn. He stepped up. Now they owe him one. Well, they booked him against Brandon Allen, but he got hurt. They booked him against Puanelli Soriano. By the way, Brandon Allen, top prospect. Soriano, top prospect. Roman Kopilov for his debut. Top prospect. He's actually got lucky by drawing Marcus Perez. Unfortunately, Marcus Perez has never been finished. And if anything, he's durable, man. You can crack this guy. You can try to submit him. He doesn't win all of his fights, but he's super durable. And I know against Wellington Terman, Wellington Terman's just a big, strong guy. Bulldozed him to the ground a couple times. Ended up beating Perez. Spicely, if he tries to do that same approach, big, tough guy, bulldoze him, he'll get tired after the first round. And when he fails to submit Perez, which I think he will, Perez, black belt, and Perez, cast iron chin, once he fails to put him away in the first round, Perez all day. So, again, this could be another live betting opportunity, whereas if Spicely looks good in the first round, you might be able to get a good fight on Perez. But more than likely, Spicely doesn't even look good in the first round, and now yes. it's minus 700 out of the first round. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just jump on Marcus Perez right now at minus 200. But his durability will will win him this fight more than his outright skill will. Uh, Timur Valiev takes on Jamal Emers. Valiev minus 155. Emers plus 135. I haven't done any tape on this one yet. Um, you have any thoughts? Speaking of tape, why don't, you, uh, why don't you look at this picture right here and tell me what you see. Oh. That's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Timur Valiev and, uh, and Zabit. 
with uh, the Home Alone guys. Yeah, Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you got the tall, lanky guy with the afro. and the... He's a little prodigy. Yeah, I just mean he's one of these tough, battle-tested Russians. He has been upset one time as a big underdog hit. And we'll talk about the guy, Chris Gutierrez, who also happens to be on the card. But he got a rematch against Chris Gutierrez, and he won that fight as well. He's one of these stocky, like, stands in the pocket with you, aggressive, comes forward, wants to exchange, good hands. I think that he's going to be a, a good prospect in the UFC. He's got a lot of upside for him. And I think that uh, Timur Valiev does have some, some solid upside. Jamal Amherst has got the tools to win this fight. But you can no longer trust Jamal Emers to use his tools to win any fight because he just doesn't appear to ever do so. His fight against Giga Chikotse his last time out, he's got massive advantages in the wrestling department. And if he does get Giga down, he should be able to hold him down. He just doesn't attempt the takedowns when he should. He opts to strike against a former glory kickboxing standout in, in Chikotse. And as a result, he just allows himself to go down in the scorecards. I thought he won. But, I mean, that was my first shoey bet. Remember, I had Jamal Amherst to win that fight. And I was okay with doing the shoey simply because I thought this guy should have won easy. And the fact that he got robbed, but the fact that it was that close anyhow and he fought such a bozo game plan, it was like, I just deserve to do the shoey, even if he wins the split decision. What did I tell you before you did that? I said, friends don't let friends bet on dudes that got knocked out by head kick against Julian Arosa. Julian Arosa, not so bad anymore. But all the same, <laughs> all the same, he had also lost to uh, to Trujillo back in the days, like 17 and 14 journeyman with a triangle choke. He's been finished in four of his last five fights. I think Giga Chikotse is the only guy that didn't finish him. Um, and he, he was hurt in the Giga fight as well, right? So I just, I don't know. Now, now here's his saving grace here, right? Jamal Emmerich is a good-sized 145-pounder. In fact, he used to fight out 155 pounds a little bit here and there. He's got good wrestling and probably a wrestling advantage over Timor Valiev. His ground game, not so bad. Valiev is a natural bantamweight. He struggled to make bantamweight. He's come in at 136.5, 137. Mm -hmm. Can't quite make 135, but his last number of fights have been 135 pounds. So he's making his UFC debut now, and he's jumping up a weight class at 145 against Emmers, who's a decent-sized 45-er and a decent wrestler. Yeah. If I thought Emmers was smart enough to put together a game plan and stick to it, he does have the tools necessary to win this fight. I just can't get behind him anymore. So for that reason, I think Valiev stalks him, stands in the pocket, comes after him. Jamal Emmers doesn't throw enough. He tries to evade. Doesn't shoot the takedowns. That's what I'm saying. Is Emmers ha the, the tools are there. Yeah. The physicality he is there. He doesn't know how to use them. If he didn't do any of that against Giga Chikots, then, yeah, maybe maybe he learned his lesson. Then you look at his entire body of work, and it's like, no, 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 no. Now he does this shit all the time. Literally all of his losses, he's winning until he just makes a mistake and, and makes a bad play. And that, it'll be the same thing here. Either Valium catches him or Valium just has him moving backwards and ends up getting that split decision. But – 155 and money's coming in on Emmers. 155 is like a gift of a price tag. It just looks again too good to be true. So, what is possibly missing? Take Valiev, but do not put Valiev absolutely everywhere, just mm -hmm. in case Emmers does actually fight up to his potential. And there's a little backdoor fuckery going on. <laughs> Debuting Russians, you gotta you gotta watch the debut fight. I just would to prefer. Make sure. I would prefer that this was at Fight Island. Because yeah, yeah, he's Russian, yeah, right, and Russians right. just crushed right. at the island. I mean, are we going to call it the island anymore? Because our fight island? Because, I mean, that's just Abu Dhabi. I mean, they didn't have it on the beach. Like It would have been hot on that beach, man. It's true. There been and they were fighting upset. in the middle of the night and stuff like that as well. Yeah, or the early in the morning, however you look at it. 
Yes, sir. And finally, we've got uh, Cody Durden stepping in on short notice to take on Chris Gutierrez, who was supposed to take on cool guy or cool hand Luke Saunders, your former cool boy. I think you guys have had a bit of a breakup since then. No, I still like uh, him. Gutierrez minus 345, Durden plus 285. Um, what's your thoughts on this one? It's a big wide line for Chris Gutierrez. I think people saw those leg kicks and were like, oh, man, that's so badass. Just do that every time. It's like he actually does do that every time. Just most of his opponents tend Don't to take the kicks, it. right? Yeah. Vince Morales was seriously compromised very early in that fight. And we always talk about questionable ring IQ. Vince Morales has wrestling advantages, opts not to use them. He really blew that fight for him by not throwing anything and standing right in front of Chris Gutierrez. I can't imagine other guys are going to do that. This Cody Durden guy, he seems tough. He seems scrappy. He seems, he seems like a go-getter. He seems like somebody that has spent a lot of time in the gym overcoming a lack of maybe talent. When you're not the most talented guy in the room, you've got to be the most hardworking guy in the room. And it almost seems like that's Cody Durden. If you want a funny laugh, actually, you can go on YouTube, punching Cody Durden, and just sort of by upload date. Go right to the bottom. The first two videos are 12 years old, and they're from him in high school. The first video is a wrestling match. He's wrestling this other guy, and he gets absolutely shit-kicked. And it, it turns out the guy on top, Trevor Bailey, ended up winning a state title. But – and then died in a car accident in 2011. But he gets shit-kicked in this wrestling match. And then and then he has like a boxing – backyard boxing match against a guy who's a nobody. And that guy also proceeds to – I didn't kick his ass, but I thought he edged him out as well. 12 years ago, he's just a kid fighting in a backyard with dreams, I guess. Finishes his high school wrestling career. Decent high school wrestler. Doesn't wrestle collegiately. Just goes into the gym. He's had American Top Team uh, Atlanta. So his top training partners, Diego Lima. Douglas Lima's been spending some time there. Antonio Martin, uh, Mar- or Rocco Martin, I should say, has been there. And uh, UFC veteran Rowan Carnero. Ducao. Obviously, he's like one of the owners of the gym, I think. So he's in good company. But don't, don't be fooled into believing he's at ATT Covenant Creek with all those guys. Durden looks like an okay prospect. I just don't think he's a great prospect. Mm-hmm. Whereas his wrestling looks okay. He wasn't a collegiate guy. He was just a, a, a standout high school guy. And now he's like, what, 29 years old? So a lot of time has passed since high school until now. You know, Well, how does he translate those fights into his MMA career? But he's fighting low-level guys. Well, his striking's improving, but he's fighting low-level guys. It's hard to get a read on like how good will this guy actually be. As now, it is with a lot of people, unless they just jump off of the page. Sometimes they do. Yeah, and I like think the that's elites, I but think like a lot of the times it's just like you don't know how Roscoff looked like a guy who oh he's when he's fighting nobodies he looked amazing on on tape and then quit. <laughs> yeah, okay. So so here's a here's a funny thing actually about uh about uh, Cody Durden, right? So starts off his career and by the way, he starts off his career as a flyweight, right? Fighting at 125 pounds. He loses to Jared Scoggins, who's the younger brother of your boy. Justin Scoggins, lose that fight by decision. His next fight against Ryan Hollis. Ryan Hollis has 12 wins, 13 losses. Mm-hmm. Fought Matt Schnell in his debut once upon a time. I like Ryan Hollis. He wins the first two rounds against Ryan Hollis, then he makes a rookie mistake, and he gets caught, submitted. Since then, he's just fought fairly low-level guys, and this is just April of last year. So that's one year ago. He fights a boxing match and wins by decision, a kickboxing match by decision, and an MMA fight, all in the same night. Like a one-night tournament, three different disciplines. Badass, right? But here's the two things you got to account. He wins that MMA fight 31 seconds with a slam. Picks the guy up, big wrestling slams. But the guy's 0-1. Why was he even in there? The boxing match, the kickboxing match, they're nobodies. Why would any lo- high-level athlete, high-level prospect, guy that's going to the UFC, do you think you, do you think any of the other guys in this card, when they're coming up, I'm close to the UFC, would take a one-night tournament, three different disciplines, just for shits and gigs? 
Like, no, he's 29 years old. If he was good, he'd be there by now. Those are just the facts. He was fighting at 125, which is a barren, talent barren division, and 135, which they're looking for warm bodies, and yet it's taken him till 29 to get here. How do you beat Chris Gutierrez? You need to take him down. Once you take him down, you need to control him, hold him down. Don't strike with him. He doesn't have a whole lot of power, but he's sharp, he's technical, he's a good counterpuncher, and he's got those leg kicks. You need to take him down. Can Durden do that? Potentially. It's holding him down is going to be the, act, the bigger question. Because when you, when you see uh, Chris Gutierrez getting taken down, by the way, my boy Ronnie Barcelos, he's like a Brazilian national team member in wrestling and a high-level BJJ black belt. The other loss is... Um, no, sorry, that's it. The other guy that took him down was Geraldo de Freitas, who's a BJJ black belt. And in the UFC. Exactly. So it's like, okay, so those guys are taking him down and holding him down. Those are decent guys. Yeah, but Durden's making his UFC debut. He hasn't shown an ability to hold down any guy, mid-level guy, let alone a high-level guy. Mm-hmm. In his path to victory, he needs to take him down. Mm-hmm. That's a tall task, man. 345 is a big price tag, but you, you do Dude, get what if, what if Gutierrez goes back to his by-decision kind of tendencies... Minus 107 is what I see That's what right I was now. looking at, personally. And, and you know what? This blew up on me last week. I was like, dude, people think is a power puncher now. He's a decision guy. No, no. It turns out he's a power puncher. Uh, yeah, I got to but, but Gutierrez is not Tanner a power Hoser, puncher. you have earned my respect. Yeah, I will never time. say big you're time. a decision machine ever again. I've eaten shit chasing the decision prop on your fight. And props to you. Up. That's yeah. me making... Making a bad assessment about what you can do. You know what? It's possible now. he's the Brazilian killer because they match him up against these lumbering Brazilians. I like his gimmick and the like drinking. Like, do you see him open the beer with his teeth? Yeah, yeah. I like what he's doing there. He's giving like the Canadian lumberjacks. He kind of looks like one. He's, he's giving Canadian, us a good. He's giving. He's giving. You know, the northern northern Albertans or I don't know if he's Saskatchewan or no, he's Alberta. Yeah, Alberta. Um, giving them a good. Giving them a good representing the brand yeah, very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I For like sure. it. Um, so, anyways, just to jump back to this one, not only does Chris Gutierrez have all those advantages, but he was physically getting ready to take on Luke Sanders. And Luke Sanders could do it all and has terrible ring IQ, which is mm-hmm. why he borders being my boy, but I can't jump off my boy like that. Um, but it, the guy can wrestle. I have no doubt that Chris Gutierrez knows these guys don't really want to stand with me for a prolonged period of time. They're going to get me down, they're going to try to get me down. And you prepare for that, and you work on that. And all of a sudden, the Rowney Barcelloses are getting you down. But all of a sudden, the Cody Durdens ain't getting you down. Mm-hmm. And when that becomes the case, Durden is no better than Vince Morales. And Vince Morales looked completely like a fish out of water. So I would say Vince Morales is a better wrestler than Cody Durden. I would say Vince Morales is a better striker than Cody Durden. I would say Vince Morales is more durable than than, than Cody Durden. And yet, it was a blow away. So mm-hmm. as much as I generally try to bet on guys named Cody... Time and place, man. Sorry, Cody Stamen last time out. Jimmy Rivera was just had his number, and I had to go with that. And sorry, Cody Durden this time out. I think Chris Gutierrez is the play. However, 345 was gonna, it's gonna make you parlay it, and don't put it everywhere, just in case, debuting guy with some wrestling. It'd be nice to just get a little more info on him. And I'd say bet after first round, but it, he, he could look awful in the first round, and there goes your price whatsoever. Yep. So go by decision and just hope that the kid is better than you expect, and that better than you expect just is, Tougher than you expected, takes the damage, goes 15, loses a decision, and you can get a little plus money on Gutierrez. I think that all whips us right into the DraftKings segment. Producer Zach, if you don't mind bringing up uh, the first DraftKings board there. We got uh, Chris Gutierrez taking on uh, Durden, who we just talked about. Most expensive guy, but we're talking about decision props and stuff. He throws a lot of leg kicks, stays busy, not a priority at the top of the, uh, at the, top of the mountain for me. I'm sure you kind of agree there. 
Uh, let's just, yeah, just look at the board. We'll rip through the guys on this first. The top five price guys, Gutierrez, Shabazian, Borg, Holland, Luque. Okay, okay. So, yeah, just ripping through it quickly. Obviously, yeah, Gutierrez is more of a decision guy. I I think Durden— He's probably will, the easiest guy to stay away yes, from Yes, and, and Durden's game plan would have to likely be wrestle this guy, neutralize him, hold him up against the cage. That could slow it down. 9,200 is just too much. Edmund Shabazian, 9,100. Brunson will, again, try to do the same thing and neutralize him. However— he could ice him out in the first round, under one and a half potentially, and get up to that 91. Although he won't be getting takedowns and all that ground transition stuff against Brunson. If he gets a quick finish, gets some strikes before that, even though he's $9,100, you'd still be good. Yeah. Ray Borg, 9000 he's very interesting because he can go out there and get 10 takedowns against and if Neymar. if Manessa's able to get up, we could get lots of takedowns. Yeah, I might be willing to fade Ray Borg just based on, you know, Maness can wrestle a little bit, and maybe he's not going to be exploding back to his feet as much, and Ray Borg doesn't throw hands at all. However... You can, if Ray Borg is on, and one has to imagine mm-hmm. that, you know, lost his last fight against Ricky Simone, his, his manager got him a great fight here that he should be on. Kevin Holland versus Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles will just look to slow down the pace. Mm-hmm. He will look to absolutely do nothing. Kevin Holland could score very little until the third round when he puts him away. Yep. That's going to be a tough way to earn at 8,900. But I like Luke K at 8,800. I do too. He just throws the entire time in. Like you said, a guy that fights for it. Averages guys, like, well, as it says right there, 91.96 points per fight. Yeah. He's got a couple losses in there, too. He just, even when he loses, he's scoring, like, 45, 50. Guys, he's durable. He obviously gets hit a lot, but by his mentality is, I will let you hit me a couple times to hit you twice back. Yeah, of course. And there's guys right. that'll tell hit you. Hit you once to get There's guys back. that you'll feel. You'll say, geez, this guy is fighting for my money. He lands 10 punches a minute. Mm-hmm. Vincente Luque fights for your money and lands 30 punches or no, obviously not, but he just, he goes for it the entire time. And you got to respect that. Even if he is down, he's racking up points. Even if you're about to lose this cash games, good way to make money, heads up games. Even if he's down two rounds, he's not, oh, well, you know, better lick my wounds and come back next time. If he's up two rounds, not, you know what? All I got to do is survive. No, he's, he's going still for going kill. for it. That's a, that's key to have. So at $8,800, I would definitely be looking for some Vincente Luque as far as those higher priced options. Now let's pull up board number two. Which is more of the mid range. We've got Joanne Calderwood, 87. Uh, Jonathan Martinez, 86. Maluco Perez, 8,500. Timur Valiev, 84. Mearshart, and obviously all of their opponents on the other side. Um, my general quick thought here, kind of a dead range. Want to play Maluco just in case, you know, Eric Spicy's striking is so bad that if he kind of flails, tries to, and fails on like, you know, trying to wrap him up, try to turn this into a submission game, I think Maluka could just light him right up. Um, and then, well, I may play Ed Herman, which is terrifying, but you gotta risk it for the biscuit. Um, a lot of fighters I'm not too interested in up top there myself, though. Yeah, I would say the second board, there's a lot, range. there's a lot more, Stuff appealing to me on the second board. I look at Joanne okay. Calderwood at 8,700. And again, this is somebody that can score 100 significant strikes. It's hard to hit Caitlin Chukagian. She's super evasive. I think Calderwood has a lot of passive scoring points. And $8,700, not a bad price. And someone that could be lower on the ownership side. Jonathan Martinez, 8,600. Yeah, another good play. Because he could theoretically knock out Frankie Science. 39, Ring Russ. Hasn't fought in 14 months. And got knocked out by Cheeto Vera's last time out. You can definitely see a good path of victory for Jonathan Martinez. Marcus Perez, you nailed it. He could knock him out. He could submit him. 
Spice Lee could just roll over after a round and a half. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, that's kind of how I see he's got past the victory. So Marcus Perez, 8,500. There's another good guy. 8,400 on Timor Valiev. The reason I'm going to bail out on that one is More again. Decision machine. Yeah. Emmer's, Emmer, when Emmer's is striking. He's giving up a lot of reach and stuff like that. It could be waiting for his times to get in. Yeah. And it's also his UFC debut. He has fought decent but not great levels of competition and so i don't know i just think that if emers is a little bit faster stays on the outside uses that reach and then when valiev does try to crash forward when he does get over aggressive maybe that's your time to shoot the takedowns we've seen valiev get upset as big favorite before maybe not worth the 8400 dollars on however jamal emers he's got what five pro losses knocked out in three of them hurt in that fight against gichikots even though it's a decision so again valiev wouldn't be a terrible pick as well mm-hmm. and then mir versus ed herman sadly enough you're probably going to want some exposure on this one. However, as you and I talked about, it could be one of those just bogged down, slow, you know, uh, just a tiring pace where, oh, geez, both guys after seven minutes are a little bit tired. Now they don't have the zip to hurt each other. Now they're not getting the takedowns. They're just jockeying for positioning us along the fence. It wouldn't be great. However, if you're looking for a sub $8,000 play who could potentially go out and get a finish and score high, maybe it could be Ed Herman. The flip side to that is if he does not win this fight, he will not score you lots because the volume's not there. The consistent takedowns aren't there. If he does get the guy to the ground, there's not going to be a whole lot of groundwork. Although he does have a good submission game, I would say that that is a, a dicey one. You're probably going to want a little bit of exposure to one of the two guys. I'm going Herman. However, it could easily become one of those sloppy heavyweight type fights where both guys just tire out and it's not the prettiest of scenes. And then the last one, which uh, didn't make it onto a single board. It has its own single board. It was uh, Venato versus Green. It's 8,200 I may have said earlier, it's just like, I don't know if people want to play these guys on DraftKings. I look at their, you know, in a draw, Lando Venata had four takedowns, one knockdown. He had 85 points in a draw. So yeah, imagine you, you got the add, win. Add the win. He's points. got 100 and, 115 sure. points. And then Green had 51 in a uh, draw. In a draw. So if he wins, he gets 80. He's at 8,000. That's not too bad. Um, definitely in play. Um, I'm going to hope that it's a little bit slower pace. I don't know if I'm going to play them. But I haven't, I haven't obviously finalized a, a DraftKings lineup. Maybe, maybe those guys, actually getting to those guys is probably better than dusty old uh, Ed Herman. But Ed Herman probably fair. comes with Absolutely less ownership, fair. I would imagine, as well. Yeah, a lot less ownership. I think if you look at the first fight, you'd want Lando Venata. He should yeah. have won the fight 2-1. to one. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably should have won the fight 2-1, to one, let's say. Or at least if he got a 10-8, the point deduction doesn't matter. But anyways, he seemed to be at least a little bit better in the first round. He got the knockdown. He got the takedowns. In this sport, that's what we're looking for, Paul. We want takedowns. Talk takedowns first and foremost. If the guy gets back up, take him back down. If the guy gets back up and you can't take him down, drop him. He did everything right in the first round. He scored all of those points for the most part in the first round. Mm-hmm. In the second and third round, it just wasn't quite there anymore. Bobby Green scored nothing in the first round. I don't think I want to play nothing. Bobby Green at all. He's only 8,000, and so that's the one thing that I would say, geez, Bobby Green would have scored, like you said, 80 points in the first fight, and he gave up an entire round where he scored almost nothing in the first, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's say he does fight a full three. He's going to get me 80 points again, could get me 80, maybe a little more, and he's only 8,000, potentially. Venata, meanwhile, Venata could have scored over 100, and Venata had ways to beat him. The takedowns, he dropped him. He's got some decent power. That's but, funny how. But that, after that, seeing the Yancey Medeiros fight, him running away the whole time and not engaging, he's not going to get you those points. So that's I, this I is a, this is an exact classic example of why we separate the DraftKings discussion from the betting pers- uh, discussion. In the betting pers- uh, discussion, we were talking about clo- close fight. Bobby Green, you know, fought recently. Looked like he had 
you know, stepped it up in terms of, like, activity a little bit. Clay didn't really give him any. So, like, we were going plus 130. If I had to bet, that's probably the side I would be on. From a DraftKings perspective, though, Lando has just got a way bigger ceiling. He When he, when he does fight, when he does win, he, you know, he's landing takedowns. He's landing 100 significant strikes. Most of that is in the first round, but he ends up being a guy which is a higher ceiling. So you end up, at yeah. least how I play, I play a lot yeah. of single entry, yeah. GPP. You're looking more for a guy like Venata. These are always, you know, it's close razor, close fights. You're looking for, you know, guys who can, who can actually break that 100, 100 point threshold. I don't think Bobby Green is really a 100 point kind of guy on you know, you know what the, You know what the difference to me on this one? And this is why I'm just going to go with my gut over my head and go with Bobby Green. There's two different versions of Lando Venata, okay? Stay with me on this one. You got Lando, groovy Lando Venata. Sky's the limit. Got all these skills. Can wrestle. Can strike all these. And you've got Lando Venata Acoma, which is once he left Greg Jackson's and went to Greg Jackson Acoma, Jackson Winklejohn Acoma, his fight since then, he's not the same guy. It doesn't look like he's looking to engage. It doesn't look like he wants to get hit. It's just like he's rethinking his whole, I don't want to be an all-action fighter. I've been hit. I've been hurt. I want to change it, okay? Those are two different guys. If you get Groovy Lando, Groovy Lando wins this fight. I think you're going to get a coma Lando, and he's going to lose this fight. Now, now, there's two Bobby Greens, okay? There's Bobby Green training in California. This guy's on top of his game. He's got the shoulder rule. He's slick. He's got a counterboxer. And you got Bobby Green. He thinks someone's trying to murder him, sleeping on couches and not training. And you know what, Paul? Same guy. Bobby Green is a fighter. Bobby Green shows up and is the same guy every time out. And Lando is very unpredictable. A good version of him beats Bobby Green. A bad version of him does not beat Bobby Green. I just, I'm getting the impression we're not going to see the good version of him come Saturday, but he's got every opportunity here to prove me wrong. And he's got the skills to do it. I just don't think he's going to pull the trigger on those. And, uh, before we get out of here, why don't you hit him with the PRP? Yeah, so we're chalk heavy, as uh, you guys can know. And that's the good thing about 15 fights is I'm going to force a couple dogs here, which I don't want to, but you got to get a couple dogs. But at least on the 15 fight slate, you didn't quite have to as much. we got Shabazian, three fi- uh, 310. He's the favorite. If you take him inside the distance, it's minus 160, better price take. Joanne Calderwood, minus 150. I got her by decision as well. Vincente Luque, minus 175. If you take him by decision, 260 is a nice price tag. But if you're not going to take every fight by decision, at least this one seems like it's going to be fireworks. Some could go down. If you get knocked out by hammer fist from the back, Nico Price touch of death, and also they were, they, were whack, they were whack ass hammer fist man. That would have knocked mm-hmm. out a lot of people. It, it, it is also Vicente Luque, so he can hit pretty good. I'm going to take Bobby Green. That's going to be my first underdog, and I'm pr- likely going to take Bobby Green by decisions, just the way he typically wins fights. Kevin Holland, um, he could get a finish in there. Jonathan Martinez probably gets a finish in there. I'm going to take Ed Herman. He's going to be underdog number two. Again, it'd be nice if he just knocked out Mearshar. But if it's a slow bogging pace, then yeah, again, hopefully just do enough to win the decision. Can take Ray Borg. Ray Borg by decision, minus 110. Get that closer to even money. Marcus Perez. Again, I'm going to take him inside the distance. But but truthfully, minus 200 is good enough for me. So most most, most of my shares would be Perez. And I could see chasing the inside the distance, but I, I don't know if I'm personally going to be super mm-hmm. invested in that. Falia versus Emers, I'm going to hit a flat pass. It'd be a good chance to take dog number three, but I just can't get behind Emers anymore. And listen, Russians have been how good to us. And the Russians that aren't good to us, you see a mile away. Like Gazmar Antigulov, Kadis Abragamov, uh, Smolyakov. You knew those guys yeah, weren't you knew going they to were be frauds. Good. Yeah, well, at least in the case yeah, of Brogdon's case, it took me a fight. In, but... You're like, maybe he just does this to everybody, and then he took like the first <laughs> time he had just a whiff, so a whiff of someone so who could take it. 
He, uh, he crumbles. So Valiev's not that guy, but buyers beware. I actually bet the idiot at 650 the time he lost to Chris Gutierrez, the World Series of Fighting. So he has let me down at a big price before. One, 155 is not a bad price tag. I'm thinking your best path there is, is move away. But for the sake of the PRP, it is going to be Valiev. And, uh, and we're going to wrap that up with Cody, or with, uh, Chris Gutierrez, sorry. And again, if you're chasing additional value, you go Chris Gutierrez by decision. Try to knock that down from 345. Yep, 11 fights. It's going to be, you know, back to normal. Yeah. I love the 15. I think, yeah, 15 should just be, let's just load. We have so many different fighters. They're all looking for fights right now. Like that 15 with fight after fight after fight, like that's what an MMA card. We were kind of saying like, oh, you know, 15 fights with the pacing and stuff. This is going to be like a seven, eight hour night. No, it was kind of the same, early. <laughs> it was the same length as all of the regular cards. We just had more action. Like that's what the fans want to see. I'm sure nobody from the UFC is listening, but you know, if you are. That's what the, that's what your fans want. That's like there was everyone was just very positive about the experience of watching those fifteen fights. I think. Yeah. Maybe I, I maybe I've got like rose colored glasses from my boy Hazmat putting on a on absolute clinic as as was. So I agree. Predicted. The only one thing is, if there was four more fights on this, we'd still be here talking, and we would have spent more hours researching it. And fifteen fights breaking down on a week to week, pretty crazy. And uh, those Bellator fights, I mean, that went pretty smooth too, man. So sorry, Jordan Mean, but he lasted a decision. Were, you, were, you were on Ricky and Bendeas. Uh, Fico the distance. I bet a little bit of shares on Ricky. Not have yeah. a good night. Yeah, I had some small shares on Ricky. Um, you know what? And I wish you could live bet Bellator, which is not the option. Like two minutes into that fight, he's just standing really upright with his head up, and, and I don't know. He rallied a little bit. He got taken down at the end of the first round, but you knew writing was on the wall. Anyways, at least he lasted a decision. Jordan Mean lasted a decision. Always good, but just so many fights that, yeah, sometimes with 15 could get a little bit much. But I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it because I didn't have a good read on Penny Kianzad and Betch. So I just moved clean away from that. Penny looks like a million bucks, and there's a lot of people that, hey, I told you Penny looked like a million. That's good for you guys, man. You liked the spot. I didn't. I walked away clean. You guys made money. That's great. When it's an 11-fight spot, you end up having more shares of it than you wanted to of have. Of course. Because there's just less options, yeah. right? That's so why this- I was like even – yeah, considering like Ed Herman on DraftKings. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. if this is a 15-fight card, I guarantee there's another better option in those extra four fights. But that's just the way that these things You know work. what? If it's a 15-fight option, I, people would message me and be like, oh, dude, I took I, – I bet 10 lineups – I got Herman on one of them. When it's an 11 fight lineup, it's like, I got 65% exposure <laughs> to her. It's like, oh no. Right? Like, you're forced to because yeah. I need a budget option. I don't know if we talked about who the best budget option on the card was. Um, but if you Ooh. have to save money, if you have to go down way. Cause Herman's $7,900, man. That's, that's not that's exactly mid, no, considered mid, a budget. Yeah. Like, so at that rate, do you take a shot on a Randy Brown at 7,400, hoping that he's going to be in a war and if he lands enough significant strikes? But we don't, we're not picking him. Yeah. Do you, do you, Bobby Green's 8,000, he's not a budget play. Do you like Trevin, Trevin Giles? Nope. You like Frankie Sign? Maybe Edmund's not down. ready for the step up in competition. You take Derek Brunson. Uh, yeah, after watching rewatching footage today, I just I got a feeling that the inevitable right hand is going to collide with his head at some point. Uh, Nate, if Nathan Maness springs the upset over Borg, it's going to be low scoring. Spicely, he would score dynamite if he won, and at least he goes for it. But he's going to score real low when yeah. he loses. And seventy seven hundred is not. It's not for research. I don't really like any of the cheap. Yeah, it's not. No, I don't really like any of the cheap options this week. So I'm probably have to use. I'm gonna have to be very mid range. And that's why I told you 
Page two, baby. That was the page. You're yeah. not going to be able to afford page one because you need to save money. And it's, the main and event is a three-round fight. So if you get into round two, if Edmund doesn't get that first-round finish, doesn't even get maybe it ends up in round two. He already two. might not be worth it. Yeah, he may not. He may not be able to get up there if he doesn't get the first round finish. So who knows? Yeah, we'll have to see how it plays so, out. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tricky on a DraftKings perspective. You're gonna very, take. You're gonna end up with one guy you'd reel deep down, do not like. But exactly. that's how the game goes. Hundred percent. Thank. Uh, that is it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you, Cody Safik, for breaking them fights with me as always. Thanks to Zach, who had to uh, return to action with some, you know, some technical issues and stuff. Uh, not his technical issues, just uh, the machinery and stuff like that. It's, uh, we do a lot of shows. These things kind of break down. Uh, thank you to uh, producer Zach stepping back up and in uh, behind the sticks there. So for Cody and Zach, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.